Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. What are you doing? Sorry, I'm taking a job. You are. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie. It's nice to be in the same room as you again post-COVID. And I can even cough and you're not even, like, moving away. No, I don't even have a cough. I'm back. I'm back, everyone. <laughs> I was about to say, okay, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm all good. How is this asymptomatic like you said you were asymptomatic yeah, last totally. week or are you properly asymptomatic now? <laughs> properly. Properly, properly. Now tell me, how's your week been? My week has been fabulous. The girls have gone back to school. We're out of COVID. Um, it's nice to be able to go to a supermarket. It's nice to be going to do the normal things in life that you take for granted. Um, I'm super excited actually because tonight we are leaving to go to Melbourne for my best friend's wedding that has been put off for COVID uh, three times. So this is her time to shine. And now, um, so are you going just you or is the whole family going? The whole kit and caboodles coming along with me. Um, the girls aren't actually going to the wedding. Boo-hoo. They're getting babysat. <laughs> but my husband and I are going, which will be fabulous. My mum and dad are going. My family friends are going. It's going to be such a fun time. So oh, first can't like wait. post-COVID yeah, proper, wedding. Like dancing. I haven't been to one in forever. I and miss weddings. Speaking of dancing. Dancing, my other high is that I know you've done it for quite some time, but I have been doing, I just started a dance called That's My Jam Dance, the beginners class last night, and it was sensational. And we've had Kyla on the podcast before speaking all about body Body positivity, positivity. and she is just a freaking jam. Fucking legend. I haven't been doing it this term. I need to get back. Anyway, it was so fun, and I just want to say that, you know, Britney Spears, anyone that can dance, it is so skillful (laughs) and they have so much fitness inside them that I just can't even keep up. You'll be there soon, don't worry, babe. I'll be a backup, 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 (laughs) backup dancer. But um, no lows except for the potholes in my driveway because of the rain, but what about you? We're annoying. I don't have any lows this week. I'm, like, really, uh, like, bordering on... Positivity. Too positive. Like, what's it called? Toxic positivity this week. I'm in a weird stage. I'm obsessed with my kids. I don't know what's happening. Like, of course, they're exhausting. But I don't know, four and two, the ages are really good. Um, I'm just loving them right now. They've been so cute. Um, yeah, I don't know what's happening. I'm feeling really patient. I'm feeling like this week I'm managing to kind of juggle the roles well. I don't know what's going on. Come next week, I'll be no, a mess no, again. keep on going. Okay, we love this. Going. Do we? Do we love other people shining? You Just say one like, bad thing. Have you got one shitty line? Oh, my drink bottle's empty and I'm oh, really and it's ugly. It's ugly AF. I don't know what she's It's thinking. a Gatorade drink bottle. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's all good here. I think it's because I'm feeling clucky. I know. So I think it's that I've got this, like, rose-coloured glasses of my kids to try and convince myself that we should have another one. But I feel like that at the t- like right now with my <gasps> kids is something in the air. Not, not the cluckiness, but it's the ease of the age at the moment that I'm loving everyone's sick. And it's like you do, you get especially that three-year mark, you're like, ooh, it could be possible. I mean, it's not possible physically because my husband's had his tubes tied and we're not his reversing it. Tied, his tubes tied. Sorry, pal. Jade. <laughs> Jade, Jade, Jade. You guys know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, it's not, but I know but that feeling. are you feeling, feeling oh, I'm glad we did that so that in oh, an impulsive so moment I didn't just decide to have I still hold a baby one. and I'm like, I, I'm so glad that I can hand it back. Okay, so I'm done. I feel good. I feel content. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Um, so you'll be pregnant next week. No, no, not next week. We're not ready just yet, okay. but yeah. Anyway, uh, any mum hacks or rude or oh my God. for us this week? We got a few mum hacks. The mum hack that came in today was genius. So her daughter drew on a wall with crayon and she got the 
can of sunscreen and sprayed it all over the air area and it just literally dripped off and she wiped it clean. So please, we will share this and let us know if this hack actually works for you. We haven't tried it. We haven't tried it. We can't confirm it, but we would like to know if anyone else can confirm And it. if anyone is like about to repaint or, you know, do some interior rejigging, try with a permanent marker and see if that works too. <laughs> I'm not putting my hand up for no, that one. No way. Another mum hack got sent in. I loved this. She said, is this an accidental mum hack beyond the bump podcast? I gave the kids sandwiches for lunch and then sat down with my leftover veggie stir fry. Of course, they thought my food must be tastier and proceeded to eat it all. And they got a few extra serves of veggies in. I love that. There's nothing more annoying when they come and eat your food, but if you can roll reverse, epic mum hack. Genius. Any rude or fabulous? Mm. let's just say I'm rude you're fabulous and always every week I'm so glad you took the rude title we're gonna get stuck straight into this week's podcast because it is a bit of a longer one ironically it's with a speech pathologist um so there's a lot of talking um (laughs) and we chat all we chat with Jamie from Nourished Babes she's a pediatric speech pathologist and we chat all about speech development language development answer all your questions um so we hope you learn a lot we certainly did Jade learnt some things about her own speech so Mm -hmm. hang in there for that at the end (laughs) um and yeah hope you enjoy enjoy hello jamie and welcome back to the podcast today for those who haven't heard you speak to us before um can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and what we're going to be chatting about today yes thanks for having me back guys um pleasure (laughs) so i'm a pediatric speech pathologist and i work with little ones who have difficulty with feeding and communication and supporting their families for them to reach goals that are meaningful to them. So I run the Instagram page nourish.babes and it's just kind of a passion project just to help parents along the way because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I think in times, hard times like COVID and that kind of thing that I just hope that yeah that that information is helpful yeah and we got you on last time to talk about uh we called it fussy eaters but you said you preferred to call it cautious eaters um and how we can kind of make meal time less stressful for us as parents and in turn less stressful for kids as well and the feedback we got from that episode was overwhelming I mean I don't even think I have particularly cautious eaters but I took on board so many of those tips and it has made home life in general general so much less stressful I know what my roles are what my expectations should be and we had so many people say please get Jamie back to chat about speech and language development I mean it can be so stressful when you're you know watching someone else's kid chatting away and yours doesn't seem to be at the same stage so yeah we really wanted to get you on to kind of let parents know what is quote unquote normal, when they should seek help um, and kind of how speech progresses. But I guess before we get started, can we chat about, so so what is the terminology? Like what is speech? What is language? How do these things differ? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a really good place to start because often I'll have um, parents say, I'm really concerned about their speech or, and I'll say, okay, so what is it that you are concerned about and what they're concerned about will actually be language. So language is our ability to understand information and then to express ourselves and our ideas with words. And speech is the sounds that make up words and our ability to say those sounds in words. Mm-hmm. So they're quite, they're two quite very different things. But speech kind of gets you overused when really a lot of the time parents are talking about language. So the amount of words a kid has, that's more to do with language and the way they pronounce it is more to do with speech. Yes. Yep, that's absolutely right. So And so a child may be able to comprehend everything. So maybe their language is quite good, but they're not able to then verbalize that as speech. And they're two separate things. So what we have in language, we have what's called receptive language. So our ability to understand language, so understand information. And then we have what's called expressive language. So our ability to form words and sentences to make ourselves understood by another person. 
Okay, so we're still learning this too. So if we slip up throughout it and ask a question and we mean speech but we say language, just pick us up because I think it's so important that everyone learns through this and we definitely want to use the right terms. Okay. And let's take it all the way back to the start because we have a lot of listeners that have really little babies and we had so many questions come in around how to kind of avoid speech issues or I guess help as much as we can for language development and speech, etc. Are you speaking right? <laughs> no, I feel like there's so much emphasis on speech right now that I'm like, I've forgotten how to talk. Yeah. But a lot of people wanted to know, are there things to avoid as a baby to help with speech? So one of the common ones was, do tongue ties really have an effect on speech? Okay, so this is a really controversial topic and unfortunately we don't have a whole heap of research and evidence. So what we the really strong evidence that we have for tongue ties is that it can affect infants with feeding. So under six months we can see that we do have a nice body of evidence saying that tongue ties do affect feeding. Now, after that time, we don't really have a strong amount of evidence to say that tongue tie affects speech or feeding, but clinically, speech pathologists will see that a tongue tie can affect speech and feeding, but we usually rule out everything else before because having, or we might try some therapy before just to rule out everything else because the procedure for it to have a tongue tie released is quite, you know, it is a procedure in itself. So we we kind of do, you know, the I guess the gentlest approach first or the less invasive approach as well. And we and we kind of have to balance out would this be, you know, traumatic for a child? Are they quite a sensitive child? So we kind of have to take the whole situation into account. And for it to have an effect on speech, do you generally find that it had to be severe enough to have an effect on feeding? Or do you think there's some kids that it hasn't affected their feeding? And so maybe the parents didn't even know they had a tongue tie and then you get to talking age and then you see it? Yes. Yep. Yep. So it can affect one or the other or both, but it's really clever. They come up with all these different ways to compensate um, how they move their tongue. But so sometimes that can work for feeding, but then it it doesn't work for speech. Yeah. And how do dummies and thumb sucking affect speech apart from the fact that if they're in their mouth, it's going to be a little bit hard to talk. There's an obstacle. Yeah. 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 So I probably would, when we think about like the, you know, the extremes of where people sit. I like to think about like thinking about the child as a whole. So it is really important for that child for self-regulation. That's something that I would take into consideration and that the parent can take into consideration. I think these are all not, you know, clear cut. Like I'm not going to sit here and say, yes, you need to get rid of the dummy by six months, which is what some speech pathologists and dentists say, but I just feel like, you know, the picture is kind of bigger than that. We need to take all everything into consideration. We do have some evidence that says that um, dummies and thumb sucking changes the way that the teeth grow and the palate grow, which then would have a flow on effect with how we produce sounds for our speech. And then as Jade said, if little ones have dummy in their mouth all the time, they're probably not going to It'll, it's a lot harder to talk through a dummy. So <laughs> they'll try. <laughs> I love that you said that about the whole child though, because Poppy, my daughter, she's nearly four and she sucks her thumb. And I get so many people all the time saying to me, like, aren't you worried that, you know, she'll need braces when she's older or whatever. And I'm like, you have to take it into account. Like I was a thumb sucker when I was younger. And I remember you know, I've probably stopped when I was about six and I remember the comfort of that. And I'm like, how incredible is it that she has her own self-soothing thing that is attached to her freaking hand? And yes, I've seen a dentist and, you know, we've made sure that, you know, it hasn't affected her speech and she is able to, you know, bite into an apple, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm like, you have to take it into account. Of course, one thing's going to maybe affect another thing, but they're not this like one dimensional being like I love that she has a way that she can sit there and make herself you know feel good yeah and you know what would that look like if you took 
that away from her. And as she gets older, you'll be able to work with her cognitively to to ease her out of it when she can understand why and you can build, you know, a different self-soothing strategy in. But when they're young and you just take something like that away from them, it is tricky. And it's not not all kids that have a dummy and thumb suck or digit suck will have dentition issues or speech issues. Um, so it's not like a one equals the mm. other. Some will, some won't, and we don't have a crystal ball. My cousin had, she was a thumb sucker and she wouldn't stop. So the dentist actually put a like a little metal device underneath her top gum line and yeah. it didn't give her the satisfaction. I mean, like she was literally 13, so I think it was time. And they, it, it just could it wasn't comfortable. So she learned that, oh, I'm over it and stopped doing it. But it was really interesting that that's what you can do to help, you know, Mm. wean them off it if, if it gets to that point. And there's like gloves and thumb guards you can buy and you can do your reward charts and yeah. All that kind of thing, if that's the route that, that you go down. And what about sippy cups? Are they a yay or a nay in your opinion? <laughs> You're throwing all the big controversial ones yeah. today. <laughs> so a sippy cup doesn't allow our tongue to go up to what we call our alveolar ridge, which is the little bit of tissue behind our top teeth. So that's where our tongue is meant to go for a mature swallow. So we start to develop that swallow around 12 months. Mm. Now, a sippy cup doesn't quite let you get your tongue up there to do that more mature swallow. So an open cup or a straw cup are great because we're focusing on, I guess, developing that later developing skill, right? So we, we, we're going to end up at, a, at an open cup and a straw cup and we want to end up at a mature swallow. So it does make sense to skip the sippy cup because we're always kind of promoting, you know, the long-term development of our little ones in saying that there's no evidence that suggests that sippy cups are detrimental to feeding or to to speech development so it's again it's it's a bit of a tricky space skip it if you can if your little one can't cope with a open cup or a straw cup then spend a little bit of time with the sippy cup and 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 don't worry about it and then try and offer the more I guess the equipment that will help them develop the the more um, progressed skill because let's be honest an open cup is so annoying when they're young yeah It is so annoying. I'm putting that out there. Like I know we're trying to make them develop as much as we can, but far out. They are so annoying. But even the straws, they pull them out. No, there's ones that have a weight at the bottom of the actual bottle and they don't pull out. Yeah, so there's ones you hold on to with two hands that have the straw like stuck in. They're good if you don't want spillage but you want to use a straw. Yeah, yep. And and look, it's all like it's all about the dosage, right? It's like the the (laughs) the, 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 (laughs) poison. Putting in the sippy cup. <laughs> Bitter whiskey. <laughs> no, the dice, the, the dice makes a poison, right? So if you're using if you're using your sippy cup or you know a straw cup when you're out and about, then yeah. that's fine. And you know, try and find a find a time where you can um, work on that more complex skill that that suits you that suits your lifestyle. Now, please be very kind with this. <laughs> next question does tell jade what she wants to hear (laughs) does screen time delay speech okay so when you guys sent through this question i was like okay every parent stops the podcast turns it (laughs) off i don't want to (laughs) know i really don't think that this is the time to really be focusing on this question i think we've all had it super rough right with lockdowns everyone's mental health has has taken a hit. I think we need to be super sensitive with parents around this at the, at the moment because we're we're just trying to cope some days. And I think that if you know if letting your little one sit down and have some TV time so you can have a breather and a cuppa, so then you can be, I guess, more present with them. I feel like the trade-off is worth is worth mm. it. So Yes, it does. Yes, we've got some great recommendations out there, but I feel like the time, this isn't the time to kind of drive that home. What do you guys think? Personally, I think that 
My kids learn a hell of a lot from the TV. <laughs> I mean, their vocabulary is sensational and it isn't coming from me. So I'm going to say, Bluey, words that kudos you know. to you. Yeah, they're very, very, very informative. Bluey doesn't scout, count as screen time. Okay. No, oh, that's education. Okay, first. Yeah, doesn't care. Is there something to be said about hearing lots of different people speak though like do you think that there could be some benefits with the time that we've been through that our kids haven't been exposed to as many people like can your kids learn just as much say it's you and your partner at home day in day out can they learn just as much from you as they would in a normal time from the various people they would normally have in their life and Sophie also wants to know if Poppy can learn Mandarin in Bluey yeah she really loves Bluey and Mandarin (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she would definitely be able to pick up some words from it. Absolutely. There you go. Especially because she's got the the visual there. So she will be able to pick up, she'll have more information about what they're talking about and the repetition. So, yeah, the more that she watches it, the more she'll pick up. And she probably knows the episode off by heart in English too. Yeah, she's probably fluent in Mandarin. She probably is. (laughs) Give it a go. So back to your question, we, so we do know like interacting with other people is really great for social development but we've got a lot of studies that show that kids don't really need that to three or four years of age so they're really getting everything that they need from their caregiver before then so we don't have to be too worried about them socializing and we do have another part of language which is social language and social skills Um, but yeah so I guess everybody has a different style of interacting and we learn different things from different people, but I wouldn't so much say that that isolation and stuff would be delaying them in the in the fact that they they don't get to conversate with more different people. I guess perhaps they would be more um, shy and it will may take a little bit more encouragement when you come out. We are seeing some studies that are suggesting that kids are more delayed in, in achieving their milestones from isolation, but we've got to take into account that these are probably kids that can't that were having therapy that are now not accessing mm. therapy. There's also, you know, parents that wanted to reach out and start therapy, but they and they could see a delay, but they weren't able to because they can't get they can't mm. get it. We've also got such a high demand for allied health intervention at the moment. So our occupational therapists, speech pathologists, dietitians, and then our pediatricians have huge wait lists so we're seeing we're seeing kids sit on the wait list for months and months before they're able to be seen so they're falling further and further behind we were speaking about bluey in mandarin before and a few people wrote in asking if kids living in a multilingual household does that seem to improve speech or can it confuse them more No, it's not confusing at all. It's really wonderful for for them to do that. And when we look at the child holistically, we want, you know, we want the parent to be bringing in their culture and their identity and who they are. So the language just progresses differently. So when we count their words, so let's just say at 12 months, um, the milestone would be one word, which means that 90% of other children are saying one word. And then the average is around five to six words. So most kids, 50% of kids are saying five to six words at around 12 months. So those parents would be counting words in English and words in their other language. In total. Yep. And yep. The, the way that they develop with their language may look a little different, but by school age, um, the research shows us that there's no difference. How cool. All right, now let's talk about how speech begins because both my kids said dada first, but I'm not convinced it was a first word. I think they were just making noise and babbling. So how like, how does it generally start and how do we know the difference between a first word versus dad, 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 dad. And dad, dad. is very dad easy is to easier say. than mum. Mum is yeah. extremely difficult and so is legend. <laughs> <laughs> Which you also go by. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when we, we have a whole bunch of pre-linguistic skills that come even before speech comes and that can just be like reacting to their environment, looking at you, paying attention for longer periods of time. It can be kind of taking a turn. So sometimes you might talk to your little baby and then they kind of kick their legs a couple of times and then you say something and they stop and then they do it again. So you're doing like a backwards, forwards conversation, even though you're not both talking. 
Little cuties, aren't they? So, So, and then we get to the point where they're kind of imitating actions. So, you know, you might be clapping and they clap and then, you know, they're doing gestures like wave. And at that time, they're usually doing babbling as well. So interestingly enough, the sounds that they babble with are usually the sounds that we see in their first words. So if they're saying data first, we might, we'll probably see that they might say dog first rather than or. So um, to answer your question, dada and mama ma are kind of the common ways that they will begin to babble. Sometimes what we do is we shape that into communication. So when they go dada, we point to dad and we go, yeah, dada, dada. And then the babble forms into their first words. So they understand, hey, when I say dada, mm. oh, we point to dad and they mean dad. Okay, that you know, that's what's going on. <laughs> Same with mum. So is that just coincidental that they make those speech sounds because they're easier or in a same-sex relationship, for example, if there was two females and they didn't hear the word dad a lot, would yep. they be less likely to say dad, 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 dad? Well, we we do know that the mp and b sounds are kind of our early developing sounds, and yeah, so they they will just play around with the, with the sounds in their tongue. So yeah, they would still you know they would still probably babble the dirt sound, mm-hmm. whether or not they're exposed to it or not. But a lot of a lot of parents will kind of go you know mum 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 dad 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 pop 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 and even just try and stimulate babbling that way as well. And coming from two mothers that have daughters that do not stop talking, <laughs> is it true that boys are generally slower than girls at starting to talk? Okay, so. The evidence has shown us that they are slightly slower, but not significant enough for us to go, oh, they're not reaching that milestone. It's because they're a boy. Okay. Right. So, yeah. So, we, it's yes, girls are a little faster, but not significant enough for us to put off reaching out um, based on the milestones. Right. Because I feel like that I hear that all the time that it's like, oh, it's fine. It, it's just because they're a boy. Yeah. And I, like I, I totally get it. Where as you know, we're always trying to reassure each other's each other as mums. There's so many things we worry about. We see our friend worrying, and we want to help him out by reassuring them that everything's fine. And I think that's where those you know those myths kind of come up. And you'll hear, oh, you know, his dad didn't talk until he was four, so you know, maybe mm. it's just like his dad. But yeah, it's super hard to kind of sit with someone when they're worried about something. Yeah. And not reassure them. And how refreshing that you have a podcast that you can just go to and just listen to all these things that make you feel a little bit better about life. Look at that. (laughs) This is crazy, isn't it? But I know what you mean. It it is very hard when you're sitting with someone to go, oh, yeah, no, I do really think there's an issue. Like we do. We constantly reassure. Yeah. And I think maybe if we could kind of sit back and say to our friends that, that if they bring it up, maybe we could say to them, look, you know, maybe it wouldn't hurt to reach out to someone and then you can and then you can rule it out and then you don't have to keep worrying about it. I mean, yeah. me personally, like I'm not immune to any of these things just because I'm a speech pathologist. My second little one had otitis media with effusion, which is like chronic fluid in the middle ear. So everything was muffled for him. So he's speech development was quite slow he kind of just banged on the milestone which oh, it, like it worried it worried me mm. like it's it's really hard to be in that place but reaching out and just saying to someone should I be doing something about this and if they say yes or no you feel really empowered you're like right I've got something I can do I don't have to sit here and just worry and I think mum's gut feeling is huge yes. like it's mm. so important to take that but do you out. think people worry that once they seek help, even if there's nothing wrong, they'll be kind of on this wheel or is it very common for someone to like see a speech pathologist and you just see them once and you say, come back in this, this and this time if this hasn't been met? Yeah, I'm hoping so, Sophie. Yeah. I'm hoping so. I'm like, yes, I would love to say that, yes, if you go and see a speech and if there's nothing wrong, they'll say, yep, that's okay, let's just see you in six months to make sure everything things on track. But going back to the friendship thing, I think, you know, when you've got children the same age, whether they're girls or boys, having 
a friend come to you and say, hey, do you think that this, this, or this? Like I personally was never one to go, oh, yeah. Like I don't want to be that person to agree that there might be a issue with development. So I think as the friend it's very important to say exactly what you were saying just to reinstate that, yeah. that it is very important to say, I'm not a professional. I'm really unsure. However, if you are asking, I think it's so important to go and get that checked because obviously you're thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And just be there for them. Yeah. And just say, oh, look, it's, it's really hard to worry about our Mm. little ones. I I get that. And I really think, like, I really believe that mums should follow their gut instincts. So if you're feeling like this, you should, yeah, I reckon, you know, reach out, reach out to someone. Yeah, absolutely. And so how can we encourage speaking? For example, is it better to speak to them in baby talk or to speak to them normally and kind of show them how sentences should be structured? Okay, so there's a difference between, I guess, what people think of as as baby talk so can you show us yes (laughs) okay so for instance some if you need us to play a role we can oh okay thanks I'll be (laughs) mum but let's just say that we see a parent go oh you really want a widow I talk (laughs) oh you really want that that's probably not something that that we would encourage but we do encourage what's called parent ease or mother ease I'm not sure if if you've heard of that, but we no. we use a higher pitch, we use more intonation, um, we use big facial expression. And you repeat a lot, is that right? Like you go, yes, yes ice Ooh. cream, ice cream, yeah? Yeah, so we. Yes. it's almost like we are a little kid playing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, horsey, wee horsey, giddy up horsey, giddy up. So we're being very playful. Um, when we use that mother ease or what it's called infant directed speech, but we're not kind of saying to them, oh, you would, you little pony, oh, little pony come here for a cuddle. You do know what I yeah. looking at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably actually harder to understand. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if they say it the wrong way, we're kind of not saying it back to them the wrong way and encouraging it. Is it instinct that we tend to do this like with animals and Things that are cute. This super annoying voice. It's like, oh, look at it, witty, 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 witty. Everyone's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because it, it gets their attention. It's like, I guess it's very nurturing. It increases the quality of an interaction. So, our children that are spoken to with parent ease or mother ease are actually more likely to learn language and learn words easier. So, yeah, I get it. It definitely is like it's a nurturing, it's like it builds connection. And I guess when we interact with them, we know innately we want to connect with this other thing or human being and this is how we, we, we're going to do it. Do you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see everyone when they're talking to their child to put the camera at their child's face and just record <laughs> how they sound and send it to us so we can actually see. Like I was actually speaking to my friend's baby yesterday while she's going to the toilet and I stopped myself because when I was looking at her, I'm like, look at you, you big girl. Look at you you big girl and if I was listening like if I was that baby You're listening to that shit stop crying I would have been like damn girl just like tone it down a little but I think I guess what what we kind of teach as well in communication is that connection and that reading their affect so what are their bodies and their eyes and yeah their body language telling us and how do we match our voice our playfulness, our tone to them. So I guess there, Jade, perhaps she was smiley and she's ready. Oh, she's loving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can get enough. Yeah, you picked up on that and you're like, And then the higher pitch I go, the happier she gets because I'm like, oh, we need to raise the bar. Until mirrors and windows are just smashing (laughs) all over Byron. (laughs) That's just you and me. (laughs) Some parents do find it difficult to do that, to be um, playful, and we're all different. Like all our personalities are so different and it can be tricky, I guess, to do that parent ease and that mother ease. But usually... It's one of those things that if you give it a go when no one's watching and it's just you and your little one and you build up your confidence with it, 
you can generally bring it into your interactions a little more. But yeah, it's I think it's important to point out that sometimes it doesn't come naturally because all our personalities yeah. are really different. And does that parentese just develop as your baby develops? So obviously as your child starts to speak a bit more, you know, you might have started with, yay, horsey, 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 and then it kind of grows more into like a few few words in a row and then a sentence. Is that right? Yeah, beautiful. So what we do is what we try and do is we try and add a word. So if they're a, a first language user, so they're just using one word, we'll try and add another word so we're um, stimulating two words and so on and then if we're getting to the point where they're you know they're they're saying quite complex sentences they're doing really well with that we might be something like let's just say oh you know they're like yeah let's play horses we're riding the horses you might think about like interchanging some more complex vocab so you might be like oh I'm cantering with my horsey that means we're trotting and you might like I guess give them a couple of different words Mm. the one word that you're looking like at. synonyms yeah so if they, you know if they said oh wow that's huge you might say yeah it's huge it's enormous whoa it's gigantic yeah and then you'll find another time during your day to try and bring stop it. giggling jade i knew so your brain good. would go there we're talking about a horse i know i'm back on track i'm back on track <laughs> God, it's not hard to get your head in the gutter. Do you know my almost three-year-old said to me the other day, oh, mum, I am so frustrated. And I was like, that's a decent word to pull out. And then Mia turns around and goes, mum, you say it literally every five minutes. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. Good on her though. That's huge. You're modelling emotion. And And she she grew it at the same time. And... If she can say how she feels, then she doesn't need to act it out as much. So she's well, she then she then told me that I'm not her friend, and then she said, "Actually, you are my friend." So we're no, still mum of the year. Stick, oh, stick legend! To the good things, Hashtag legend. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you know, a child can say I'm frustrated, or they can, you know, throw themselves on the ground and kick their legs because they're frustrated because they don't have the word for it, or they can't, you know, link that left and right brain. So that's and I'm awesome. sure she never throws herself on the floor. No, ever. she's the same. No. <laughs> incredible. Neither do I. That's not normal, no. (laughs) No, absolutely part of typical development. But this was what we were talking about, I think, a while ago. When your child, a toddler, like has a meltdown, having that conversation with them about their feelings and saying, is the reason why you're rolling on the ground right now because you're frustrated that you can't have this toy? Or is it because you are upset but that mummy said no? And like making them have that connection to what is going on gets them them to slowly understand why they are rolling on the floor yeah yeah and it gives meaning doesn't it like where we, we all want we all want to find meaning like to how our lives you know play out during the day and yeah so if we're we're pointing oh you feel frustrated we're putting a word to it we're, but we're also connecting with them like I, I can see that you're frustrated. Mm. Like I feel frustrated too sometimes. So we've got a beautiful connection going on with communication. They've got a word for it and it may take a while. You might have to do it, you know, a fair few times before they understand and they may not be able to identify it till after those big emotions have left. But, yeah, that early emotional literacy is really important. This is something I really struggle with because I think there's nothing cuter than when kids like say the wrong words or say it wrong. So for example, my kids both call the remote the marote. Like Poppy used to call an octopus a hay pussick. She used to call (laughs) like music menges. And I really struggled to correct her because I felt like it was holding on to this part of being a baby. And when all of a sudden one day she said them the right way around, it was like a little bit of a morning thing because I was like, oh my God, no, she knows how to say it properly so should we be correcting them or is it fine for me to just keep calling it a marote for a little bit longer oh I love marote is one of my favorites yeah I remember my little sister did them the marote as well I think she did it up till she was like 12 yeah (laughs) I still have fond memories of that yeah yeah it it is super cute and look I'm not I kind of sit in the middle I'm not like no you know they need to be saying this word but I guess if somebody they wanted to say it to somebody else and they didn't understand them it could maybe yeah a little bit of frustration but 
that's a normal for them to say morote that's quite normal until they're a little bit older so when we as long as they're hearing you say the correct word is that right yeah so what what you would kind of say back to them is and just because you say it back to them the right way doesn't mean that they'll stop saying it Mm. the wrong way right you can still get some time out of it so you'd say oh remote you want the remote here's the remote Oh, the remote was on the lounge. Oh, silly mummy. Look, I've got the remote now. So you say it back to them and you try and repeat it around five times in a couple of different ways and then just find opportunities throughout the day to try and say that one word again. So you might, you know, two hours after after that, you might say, you know, how funny was it when that remote went missing? Yeah. You know, let's go and see if we can find it now. Although they'll probably just want to turn the TV on. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that broccoli. How about that broccoli? <laughs> yeah. And on a similar note, like one thing that I've been doing to try and teach manners and I guess things like, you know, this is obviously, so Poppy's nearly four and she's quite a good talker and, you know, with tenses and things like that, she has trouble. So she might be like, Goldie waked up really late today, didn't she? And instead of correcting her, I've kind of been like, yes, Poppy, Goldie woke up really late, didn't she? Is that, or, or like if if she says, I want yogurt, I'll just say back, like, I would like some yogurt, please, mummy. I feel like I feel like I nag less, but it seems to have really been working. Yeah. So I guess what we want is we want to keep that connection there as much as possible. So we don't want to teach we kind of want to just, we want to guide them. So just expose expose them to the right way. And all the research shows that the quality of an interaction, the higher the quality, the more likely they are to learn what we're teaching. So if you've got connection, like you have there, you're having a conversation with her, you haven't broke the conversation to say, no, Goldie, it's woke. You've just kept the conversation going. You've kept the connection going. So the quality of the interaction is still really high and you're mm-hmm. recast what to say so you're modeling for her and she is just by listening to it her mind is is mapping out that new form of tense but for we wouldn't expect her to get woke but yeah it's a really wonderful way to model it so you just say it back to them and then say it a couple of different ways but always put the connection and the quality of the interaction as your biggest priority we do that with billy like if she says a sentence instead of like recorrecting the whole thing we'll just say you know whatever the word is and then she'll move on just so she can hear that that's what we're saying but with a like for example yumi she says and i know she's and she's three right? she's only almost three but she has a sentence of oh my want this my want to do this for breakfast how do you re say that sentence because you can't say I because then she's going to think I'm talking about myself yeah that's tricky but you do can you give us an example so if she said me want this you would say oh you're saying I want this ah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that gesture to yourself yeah perfect and then oh I want something, mummy. So yeah, then she yeah. asks, you're saying it for her. Yeah. So you yeah. can say, oh, you're saying, I want that. I want that, please, mummy. Okay, cool. So you can do it both, both of those ways. And similarly, what age should we be putting emphasis on manners? I feel like we really spiral out of control over manners. Like what is like a realistic expectation of them to use manners? I think it really depends on your values as a family. So if you're kind of valuing connection and... Out of the womb. (laughs) (laughs) Say please for that boob. (laughs) Yeah, I think that we push manners a lot. So you'll you'll find that even I'll have like some one-year-olds or two-year-olds that will just say ta, ta, ta instead of the word for, for something. So let's just say that we're playing with the cars and I hand them a car and they'll say ta. So that's probably, we've probably modelled that because we think it's really important. We think men is a really mm. important. So we hand them something, we go ta, ta, ta. But what we really could be doing is handing them and giving them the word. So then their vocab's growing. So we're handing them the car and we're saying car, ball, doll. Oh. So, yeah, so instead of them us modelling ta, 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 we get so much more out of labelling labeling what the word. Is. So I wouldn't, I'm a big advocate for uh, we can be their men's voice. 
if they don't have it. So let's just say you're at the park, like it, and you know, developmentally, we're even doing this for like up to our seven-year-olds, and somebody gives them, you know, I don't know, a packet of chips or something, and they take it, and we just say instead of saying, "Oh, say thank you, say thank you to that person," we can say, "Oh, thanks for the chips." So we're just modeling it for them, or we can say, "Oh, I'll be your thank you voice for you." Thanks for the chips, Tony. So you don't recommend saying, "Mia, what do you say?" Um, no prompting. Is you, it embarrassing? No, I think you, that you could do it, but you would have to make sure that you that the child doesn't feel, I guess, that you're not breaking that that like that connection, like we said before, that you're not they're not feeling like they're being, I guess, you know, like ridiculed or mm. you know, it's not that it like it's we don't want to have a negative experience with it. Especially, I guess, if it's in front of like maybe other people and they're probably feeling shy and they're like, all I'm concentrating on is the fact that I just want these bloody chips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're probably like, like, oh, you know, I'm not quite sure about saying thank you. I don't really, you know, know you anywhere very well. I've been in lockdown for like six months. Yeah. <laughs> it's so counterintuitive though because, yeah, I feel like manners are so important. But then, yeah, otherwise you just feel like you can spend your whole day being like, what do you say? What do you say? Say please. Say thank you. But I think what's important because I tend to do it when we're out to try and show other people that they're kind, but I don't actually expect them to do it in the household. So I think if we started more like my husband and I started saying, you know, Mia, could you please say please, then it's going to be instilled because I remember in my household growing up, I was always that person that would say please and thank you and it would just roll off my tongue yeah. like oh yeah. thank you so much because that was what was instilled in me so I think if I I drag this a little bit more inside the house and even when and they're as, the outside, yeah and yeah. when they're as sisters even passing things to Billy well what do you say to Billy for handing that you know say thank you absolutely that will hopefully Trim, go yeah to the outside to different environments yeah definitely and the other thing <laughs> the other thing that I'm thinking of right now is that Perhaps we could be more polite to our partners <laughs> and say please and thank you to them. And they can say it back. I'm going to admit something right now. We sat down last night and spoke about our nine-year-old and I said, oh, do you think she might be a little bit troubled? And she and my partner said to me, I honestly think that she's mimicking the way you speak to me. And I'm like, but that's okay for me because I'm your wife and you're like annoying the hell out of me. It's not okay for her. She needs to know her limits. But I really self-reflected and thought, no, I really need to watch what I say because I like there are plenty of other ways to use, you know, a sentence. And if I'm having that impact on her and she thinks that that's the way, you know, well, you she doesn't, someone, she's not able to go, oh, mum can speak to dad like that because he doesn't it. mind and da 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 da. But the yeah. older they get, the harder it is to like remove these habits. Habits, absolutely. So I, yeah, I'm really just working within for everyone else's sake. You're all of a sudden going to be like, hello, my sweet darling pie. Thank you so, so Can much. Can you please for, pick up please, those little shitty shoes off the floor? Please, those I've socks that are right next to the laundry basket. Can you please pick them up Just and pop, pop them in. in? Just pop them in. Could you change the toilet roll while, while we're here? And yeah. scrub off your skid marks. You not- Thank you, darling. Don't- oh, don't worry. I'll do it for you, my well, little possum pie. Don't worry about pissing on the seat. <laughs> I like sitting in it. It's fine. <laughs> Leave it there. And you know what? The floor's fine too. <laughs> you know what? Please, who needs night, to mop when you, you can use your urine instead? In the middle of the night, just piss anywhere you want. Piss on the walls. It's fine. I'm not going to have a problem when I wake up in the morning doing breakfast and then having to lean down on my knees and wipe up your piss. Keep sleeping in. As if. This is therapy. As this is turned into therapy. Fucking hell. Yeah, no, I, I have the same problem. It's so hard when you've had a big day with the kids and you just you can't self-regulate yourself and you, and you snap at them I'm constantly going and I even I'll even say to my kids I'm feeling really frustrated and yeah. I, I need to take a deep breath because I'm not talking to people the way that I should be so I'm just gonna go but how huge but this is all that comes, this all comes back to the mum rage episode we yes. had that it's all about repair afterwards but I guess it's not so much those probably outbursts that will affect your kids as long as you're repairing afterwards I guess it's more day-to-day interactions and like when you're not at a tipping point making sure you're speaking 
somewhat kindly then I feel like that would model more than being down on yourself about the outrage moments. You'll be so proud of me. Guess what I did this morning? I'm always proud of you, but tell Oh, us. but this one's like mum rage. I, I got this like before it even happened. I could sense myself getting very frustrated because everyone was in the room and I was trying to pack for today and I already sensed it and I was about to snap and say, get out. And instead I said, hey guys, I'm just getting really, really overwhelmed and anxious because I have so much on my mind. Would you guys mind just going into the lounge room watching TV while I can get sorted? They all just went out and I didn't yell and I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like. There was like a little halo in your head. Who are you? Mother Teresa. Believe it. (laughs) And, I mean, it's just if we can catch ourselves on one or two, we're not going to be perfect. No. But if we yeah. Good on you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's That's it for the year. (laughs) (laughs) And that's 2022 done. (laughs) Now, what are some, you know, you touched on at, about 12 months, the expectation, I don't know the terminology used, is one word, but the average is about five or six. What are some other important milestones or what should we be looking out for as an indicator that we should be seeking professional help? Okay. So I guess speech pathology as a profession is like, I guess, quite, it's quite spread. So I guess we would be looking for understanding. So we want them to start to understand just basic words or basic directions. Um, We want to see them to start to develop early place skills. And when we're getting to that 18 months where the milestone is, is around 10 words, but the average is 50. Now, I think it's important when we read these milestones because they can be really tricky if your child's not meeting them it's really hard to read but if you say to yourself oh we're nearly at the milestone which is what 90% of kids can do then what happens is is your child isn't reaching the milestone for that age what we're trying to aim for is is the average so you might not reach out for help and then your little one may may fall back even further so try not to go oh we're close to the milestone try and go oh we're close to the average if your child's not reaching the milestone it's a good indication to reach out for help. And how do you like count those? Because like, if you asked me how many words does Goldie have, I could not tell you Mm. if she had 30 or 500. Like I have no, my brain just can't compute (laughs) that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's tricky. So what I usually do is give parents like a piece of paper and I might divide them into like, like objects or nouns and then like doing words so verbs, so it might be like, you know, jump. Um, and then we'll have like social words like tar and please. Then we might have family words where you write down the people that are in their family. So you kind of break it up into, into categories and you kind of just carry it with you or you put it on the fridge over a week and you just slowly jot them down. So in a week a child would say most of the words that they know, like over seven days would, and yeah. What and what we're looking for is we're looking for them to say it spontaneously. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> say Can dog, say tick. <laughs> Unfortunately, doesn't care. (laughs) You were thinking about rigging the system, weren't you? I could tell. (laughs) But the other thing is, is like there's a lot of different things that count as first words. So gestures count as first words. So if your child pats their head when they when they want their hat, that will count as the first word because they're they're communicating a word. Um, The other thing is a word that's unclear. So if they say ah the hat but they say ah consistently every time you have the hat you know that that's their version of hat so that counts as a word animal sounds vehicle sounds so broom meow you know all those kind of sounds they count as words as well um, words in different language. But I guess as you say, err on the side of caution, like don't try and rig it so that they that it probably represents more words than what they truly do say because you, you, you know, it's probably better to seek help than to ignore the it and yeah. for them to fall further behind. Yep, yep. And I, yeah, and as I said before, it's, you know, it's best for you two to, you know, to settle that voice inside you that's kind of nagging you at the end of every day. You know, you don't, we don't need that as parents. So, yeah, definitely reach out because we do find that 
you know, if you reach out at 18 months and the delay is only four months, then it only takes four months to catch up. Is that generally how it works? Uh, well, if we haven't got any kind of underlying, I guess, issues, whereas if you wait till like two years, then you've got a delay of, you know, maybe um, six to 12 months. Yeah. So it, then it's harder to catch up. What are some common causes of speech delays? So language and speech. Do you want to do language and speech? Yeah, let's do language okay. and speech. So hearing. So recurrent ear infections, or like I said, with my little one, fluid in the middle ear. So sometimes kids won't have ear infections, but they will have fluid that sits in the middle ear. So that is usually a top one. So if you're worried about your little one's speech or language, the bet, the first port of call is to have an audiology assessment, to have their hearing tested. So that's a really good thing to tick off the list. If you see a speech pathologist, they will say to you, go and have their hearing checked. So it's, yeah, if you're concerned, that's, that's go down that route you don't need a referral to have an audiology assessment but I think you can get a Medicare rebate if you do have a referral from your GP and then we have other causes of um, speech or language difficulties which they could be uh, autism or they could be a global developmental delay so when you see that they've got um, delays in more than one area so their you know their motor skills are delayed as well and so yeah particularly those ones sometimes there's just there is a delay and we don't we're not sure why sometimes it's just a just a little tweak with how the parent-child interaction is going with with coaching the parent in um I guess how to to bring out the goals that that they want for their child yeah so there there really is you know we've got we've got genetic conditions and and you know an array of different things that can sit underneath what about shyness can that delay things so temperament wouldn't delay things, but we may find, we find that some little kids with, I guess, a really shy temperament or they're more of an introvert, they might not speak as much as at preschool or they may not um, speak as much when you're out and about. So you're at the park and it looks like your child who can say, you know, is reaching their milestones at home, don't, doesn't, your child doesn't say anything at the park. And that's completely fine. We're yeah. all different. They might be focusing on their motor skills as well at the park or, you know, they, they may just not be a chatty person like, we, like the three of us are. They may yeah. Similar. Like, yeah, I'm not very chatty. I'm, no, you're really quiet. Yeah. Do we feel, this is an important one, do we feel that wearing masks in this current climate will have an impact on speech? Yeah, so that's that's a really interesting question and I guess this we're still kind of mm. just still coming out, but we have found that it isn't actually impacting on parent-child connection, which is really lovely. So that quality of the interaction isn't, I guess, impacted by the mask. And I guess that's because we still have, have like the power of our voice. So we can still do that parent ease and then mother ease and, you know, they can still see our expression with our eyes and our eyebrows. And I guess the best thing is, is that, we're not really wearing masks that often. Like we might be wearing them when we're at the shops, but teachers aren't wearing them anymore. Daycare teachers aren't wearing them anymore. Is that your experience too? Uh, I don't believe our daycare teachers are. Yeah. I'm not sure. They're around parents, I think. Yeah. So like, yeah, that minimal time that they're seeing people with masks. Well, um, that's a positive. Yeah. And I guess making the most of those at-home interactions, maybe if something happened when you were out, when you had a mask on, maybe like discussing it again when you're home without a mask on or, or if you don't, I don't want to know, talk about it, put a mask on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that with my husband. <laughs> Sorry, I can't talk. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that, look, we're not all going to be perfect all the time and, you know, that's fine if we've got a short amount of time that we have the mask on. I don't think that we have to feel like we have to make up for it I think yeah okay I think that it balances out in the scheme of things yeah so a lot of questions came in around if we should be concerned about a stutter and at the moment we're actually dealing with a stutter with Yumi and it's usually when we are on the phone to someone or engaging in conversation she like it's almost like she, her brain's exploding with what she wants to say. Mm. So she'll go, I, 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 when I, well, I, I like chocolate. I, 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 and I'm like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do with a two and a half year old, but do you say, 
can you please stop and think about what you're trying to say and then you can say it? Or is that just way too complex? I think that, and I know I sound like I'm, I'm banging on about this, but maintain your connection. So don't, right. don't let, let her just kind of feel it out. And okay. you can it's very also- annoying. It's really hard. You have to be super, super patient. Shade. It is. It's like I'm trying to have a sentence with mum for two seconds and you're like, I, 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 I. I'm like, look, I'm here for you if you can just stop and but say But I feel it. like sometimes it's when they think <laughs> that they need to get it out this second yes. or you're going to move on to something else. Is, is that what it is? Well, that's yeah, for some so- kids, but then some kids stutter all the time. Is that right? Yeah. So anxiety can be related to stuttering. <laughs> well, when you call her annoying, her. when you call her annoying, I don't blame to her. her face, just behind her back. Not clinically. She's just anxious to get her thoughts out, right? Yeah. Um, but what you can you, what you can do is say it with your body. So kneel down, put your hands on her hands and let her know that she's got your complete attention because sometimes they oh. really stutter more when they think that they're competing. Oh, they bless. hurry up and get it out before someone else butts in. She's or- always competing with me. Yeah. I don't shut up. Yeah, and, and two sisters. So yeah. if you just kind of stop, you can kneel down and get on her level, put your hand on her hand if you can, if you've got time or when you've got time and let her know you've got she's got your complete attention. That's great. Around that age, it's normal for them to have this big explosion with language. You're spot on with her brains going really fast. She's like, how am I going to structure this sentence? How am I going <laughs> to get it out? I really want to get it out. So there's a lot going on developmentally there. So with stuttering, if it's persisting for more than six months, if you've got a family history, if it's really impacting their confidence or they're really frustrated by it or there's there's other behaviours that can happen with a stutter. Like so sometimes you might find that kids will do or, or individuals will do like things with their face when they stutter. So they might move their eyebrows when they stutter. It looks like they're blocking. So they're um, reasons to reach out. So you would kind of keep those in mind. Or again, if, if you've just got that gut feeling that you want to do something about it, then you absolutely can reach out and a speechologist will say to you, look, they're too young, let's try again later. You know, they may say that or they may say, hey, look, I've got a couple of little strategies for you now. Let's do one session and you can see how you go with that and we'll check back in with each other. And similarly, what about lisps? Yes. So then why do they call lisps lisps when yeah, it's lips. like the hardest word to say? <laughs> like that is so dumb though. Have you got a lisp? But maybe yeah. people with lisps can say that better. Well, I was, um, this is not mocking you, but Here we go. you've said frustrated a few times this episode. And how does it sound? You say frustrated. Fuss. Frustrated. Instead of frustrated. Yeah. So there you go. Is that okay that I said that? Are we still friends? No, I, of course we are. Okay. I, you can throw me under any bus. I, yeah, frustrated. It's frustrated. But yeah, I don't say F and I need to I just thought go it was ironic that you said it a few times in our chat. Hey, with a speech pathologist. It's, Jamie it, didn't pick you up on it. She's no, not she harsh didn't. Enough. And when is, when is the time that you can when you stop going to a speech pathologist to you know increase your uh, vocabulary? That's not your vocabulary. Never. You yeah. You could you could see a speech pathologist where whenever you like about anything that falls under. I wonder it. my kids are saying things wrong. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the model. You can say fuck correctly. That's yeah, good. Fierce. What were we talking about? Lisps. Okay, lisps. What's the go? So there's a couple of different types of lisps. There's one lisp that is developmentally normal or uh, what we see typically. So that's where the tongue comes out between the teeth or it sits kind of in between the, the top teeth. So that will kind of be where the S or the Z turn into like a TH sound, like a sound. So it'd be like sun would be fun mm. or zebra would be febra. So that one is typically developing. Um, usually if it hasn't corrected by four and a half, we'd kind of reach out to a speech pathologist, I guess, to uh, get that on track because sometimes it can impact literacy because when they're sounding out their words and if they're saying oh, yeah. fun, if they're saying sun and they're, and they're that saying That would be so confusing. 
this is actually what the teacher said about Billy. Um, she said she's, she writes correctly and that's how they knew that she will be okay. But if she was actually getting confused writing it down. That would be so confusing yeah. if you were like, but you're spelling it out not how it's said. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So for her it's an articulation thing. So she's not quite putting her tongue in the right place, but she understands, she can hear the difference and she knows which one's appropriate. And but then we also have a list that kind of is like that real slushy list that comes out of shy. Sounds like a sheep cheeks. So that those kind of lists aren't developmentally typical. So if we were hearing that, we would seek out a speech pathologist to to help with that sound. And similarly with Billy, so like someone wrote in saying, you know, my child says thank you instead of thank you and things like that. Does it just depend what speech sound it is for what age? So that's all just on a speech, like that's just an individual basis. You can't really say like by this age they should have all speech sounds correct or yes, yep. So there, there's different. There's individual ages like thirty four. <laughs> thirty four years of age can't even say fur. <laughs> frozen, not frozen. It's frozen. <laughs> I can say that. So, but usually what we hope is by four years of age, there we can understand them fifty percent of the time five years of age, 75% of the time. So, yeah, so we look at how it's impacting how other people can understand our little ones. But, yeah, we've, there's lots of information about what, how, when each sound should kind of be correctly developed. So that's at four years of old, 50% of pe- like of other people should four be able to. Because I not four years of old. <laughs> Thank Just you letting you know. <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> I'm going to hold a grudge against you. Might you. Be able to so yeah, because I feel like I feel like with Goldie, for example, I mean she's only two, but I know what she's saying <laughs> all the time, and I can see other people being like flat out, that is not what she just said, and I'm like, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, this is what they want. And they're like, what the hell? Especially when she calls peanuts a penis. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not correcting that one. I refuse. <laughs> I think that's everything. <laughs> Classic chat with a speech pathologist. It's gone for over an hour because you can't shut any of us <laughs> yeah. up. But um, thank you so much for joining us yet again. I feel like I learnt so, so much. Me, more so. <laughs> Not for your kids, for Not you. Not for my kids, but I'm going away with a whole lot of lessons. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm so glad it was helpful and it's always lots of fun. Thank you so much, Thank Jamie. you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.